You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. When we train ourselves in godly ways, with these spiritual disciplines of turning to God, and what we're doing is we're really preparing for the hard times. Yes, it's great in every day, big time. But but when when it when it gets hard, that's when we really need to rely on our training. It's the same thing with any athlete. If they're trained well, when obstacles come in on race day, then you fall back on your training. You fall back on on what you've been doing day after day, and that helps you get through. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor, today joined by two special guests. First, we have lead pastor Jose Avaroa. Jose, thanks for being here. Good morning. And we have a first time, very special guest to the podcast, the one and only Crosswalk Pastor, J.D. Wilhelm. J.D. Good to be here, trying to make sure we actually get invited back next time. We're not a one and done. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. No pressure. He always says that you're a special guest, so (laughs) everyone's podcast feeling very special. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we are in the midst of a series, Peace in Exile, and just this past Sunday, Jose, you gave a message titled "Get Up, Get Ready, and Get Out." And so, before we even dive into any questions, I've got, I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts as you were preparing for this message and kind of what we're some of the things you took away as you prepared for it. Yeah, looking at the exile, I know that Isaiah plays a huge part, not of the actual exile, because he came um, 200 years before the actual exile occurred, but his prophecy in his writings, how God used Isaiah to tell us not only about the exile, but also about the peace that we have in Jesus. Um, I was really excited about that going into the series. And so I spent a lot of time in Isaiah reading Isaiah 52, Isaiah 9, Isaiah 61. And then um, I kept on coming back to Isaiah 52 and Isaiah 53. And I thought we were actually going to be more in Isaiah 53. But then I saw these three things out of Isaiah 52. And here we are. There you go. There you go. Well, I'd love to hit each three. And so we can start with the first one, which is get up. And kind of there were three points, uh, Jose, you had in your slides uh, talking about turn to God first, wake up to the truth of your identity and reminding or remembering that his mercies are new every morning. So I'd love to kind of ask y'all both kind of what, as far as turning to God kind of first and and even just waking up to the truth of your identity, how have you seen that kind of play out in your lives? And what are some maybe uh, I don't know if it's practical advice or just recommendations you would give and encourage others to kind of see that in their lives this week. Yeah, for me, I have really tried different things of turning to God in different mm-hmm. parts of the day and um, middle of the day, later in the day. And I can just tell a difference when I don't turn to God at, at, at the beginning in some way, whether that's either reading a verse or spending a long time in scripture or uh, spending time in prayer significantly. I mean, I can, I can tell a difference when I do and when I don't. And so um, here, contextually, it's kind of cool. I, I didn't say the second service. I said it first, but Isaiah is answering a question that the Israelites are asking God in Isaiah 51 when they're saying, hey, God, wake up, wake up. We're in trouble. Don't you see? Um, you know, that, that we're going through all these hardships. Where are you? And so Isaiah uses the same verbiage here in Isaiah 52. No, you wake up because I'm here. And I feel like that's the case for us every morning when we turn to God, we've realized, yeah, I may have anxiety. I may have all these thoughts about the day that weigh me down. But when I turn to God, it just stabilizes me and puts, keeps my eyes on the prize. Yeah, it's been this interesting 
it like this whole idea was driven home for me really this past week. Um, I got up and my daily routine has been so, you just get into routine, that's the way your days work and they look. And at some point during the week, I look up and Taylor's standing in the kitchen. She says to me like, you're just so, you get up and then you're immediately on your computer. And it even in ministry, it becomes this like to-do list, this mm-hmm. list of things that you have to get done, whether that's study or reading or things like that. And you lose, even in that moment, like the personal aspect mm-hmm. of a relationship with Jesus. And, that, and so it's so unique when you do set that time aside for prayer or for spending time in the word that, it, that then you're seeing things through the lens of personal relationship yeah. as opposed to through the lens of even just the spiritual to-do list or the spiritual checklist of, I did it, now I can move on. But we actually receive the life-giving part of that relationship and not just the like habitual or discipline part of, of like following Jesus. That's so right. Yeah, this may seem like a very simple question, but to someone that maybe just has not developed that habit of daily kind of scripture reading or just time with God, what does that look like? Like, I don't know, like just spending time with God, what does that look like? What should I read or what should I, I mean, what what does all that look like? Yeah, I think um, I had a pastor friend, this was years ago, I was right out of college and I was trying to uh, describe like, how do we, I was working with youth and I was like, how do, I, how do I teach people where to start? What really, like, I think that most of us, when you feel the conviction, I need to start reading the Bible, you start in Genesis. By the time you get to numbers, you're done and you quit. Whereas I think he, he brought up to me that there are some really good places to start. Like all of us should have a working knowledge of a gospel account. So any of the gospel accounts, mm-hmm. then you turn the corner and you say like the book of Acts, then you have this history of the early church. Then you can turn to Romans and you get this idea of this understanding of our salvation and how we walk as a result. And then even like the Genesis account, when you have those sort of four things in my experience, then you have this well-rounded perspective to enter into some of the other books with with contextual clues, with an understanding maybe just even of like the big picture narrative of the Bible so that you can handle some more complex truth. Like the book of Isaiah is not an easy yeah. one if you don't have an understanding of that Old Testament narrative or anything like that. Yeah, and that's a great place to start. And I think the other thing that we got to trust is the Holy Spirit. So wherever you yeah. start and whatever you do, you do have this sense of, well, I'm reading God's word. So Lord, how is this practical? And I think to your point, JD, asking questions and curiosity and seeking is what builds our uh, biblical literacy and understanding of why uh, this is written in his, in his word um, for us. But in terms of where to start, that's, that's it, man. Yeah, start with the gospel and then yeah. go to Acts, Romans, and from there. I know this is so unique to each person as far as prayer and just the relationship and communication we have with God, but what would maybe be some ways if someone wanted to kind of just start instilling maybe a, just a daily discipline of prayer, maybe in that kind of set apart time in the mornings, what what has that looked like for y'all or what could that look like for for others? Yeah, I think appreciation and gratitude is is a great, a great place to start. Just thinking God. Um, for what he's done. Normally we think of prayer as asking God and that's definitely a part of it. Um, I've used the acronym A uh, ACTS, uh, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. Um, and so starting with adoration and, and praising God using his name um, and um, yeah, then continuing on Confession, Thanksgiving, 
supplication, asking. Those are those are good tools. Mm-hmm. I think to, to start. What would you What would you add to that? Yeah, I think that that gratitude maybe is the most valuable place that we can start. I think even in like secular research, it shows that if we have a practice of gratitude in our life, like we are exponentially happier as human beings. And now the, obviously the, the purpose of prayer is not for happiness or a, like really a relationship with God. But if we start with gratitude, then we see the small blessings that God has placed in our life. And when, then we don't come to God as this like angry, resentful, bitter person, just wanting him to fix our problems. But we recognize just the blessings, even in the midst of difficulty, even Mm -hmm. in the midst of, of hardship, we're taking time to recognize the ways that God is moving in our life. And then we enter into, I think it, it sets up our perspective to actually make supplications or to ask God for things because we've come in with the recognition even of the promise of his faithfulness mm-hmm. into that. And so it puts us maybe into the right headspace to enter like that time of what do I, what am I really asking mm-hmm. for? Like, what do I really, like when we're grateful, are we actually able to enter in maybe with less of a selfish attitude, less of a give me, give me, give me, or God, you owe me sort of attitude, but recognizing that even just placing him as sovereign, him as Lord of our life, so that we're actually asking for the things of God, not just for things. Yeah, Yeah. changes you. Prayer changes you. When you turn to God first, it changes your optics for sure. I was going to tag on and just say, I know for me, like gratitude helps just even that posture of humility because it's like, I'm not going to thank someone for something that I did or that I, you know, and so oftentimes with God, it's like just even listing out the things I'm grateful for is acknowledging and recognizing he's the one that was doing the work. It's not that, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm having a great life right now because I made it my great life or there's so many blessings that I brought upon myself. And so I think that helps me too, just as far as approaching him with a posture and recognizing this is all from him. This is all his grace. This isn't something that I've kind of worked up to or kind of earned in, in my walk. So yeah, I totally think that's that's good. Yeah, I think it's also interesting when you turn the corner, even in this, in Isaiah 52, you look at starting in verse seven, it's the prophet speaking. Yeah. And he's speaking of God's provision. He's speaking of God's rescuing of the people of Israel. And it's definitely in that space, you realize that the the Israelites were reading this. I can't do it for myself. Mm-hmm. Like I can't bring yeah. myself right. to salvation. We've, you see before that the brokenness of the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. And so you're seeing in this, in this place, like really the sovereignty of God is the only person who can lead them out. I mean, really in that from verse seven into verse 12, it's the proclamation of the victory of God, of Yahweh, and this transition to the divine kingship of God over the people of Israel. And when we enter into prayer with this idea of gratitude, we're putting God as king over our life. We're putting God as the sovereign Lord of our life. And really there's so much humility in recognizing him as the ultimate provider. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. And I love how it's both, Exile, like it's speaking to the actual exile. Um, but I can also see after this, and of course, this is a prophetic uh, yeah. word. It's not happening in real time. But, you know, the exiles on their way back to Jerusalem saying, hey, this is Isaiah 52, 7 happening. How beautiful mm-hmm. are the feet of those, you know, that, that bring good news. This is good news. Yeah. We're coming back home. And them getting back home, being like, oh, man. This is not maybe what we expected. Mm. And that's what happens when we don't turn to the sovereign savior, like, like you mm. just said, today. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that yeah. you brought that up. That's good. 
Yeah, yeah. The second point here is get ready. And I'll just hit the three points underneath that, Jose, you had uh, clothe yourself in Christ based on Colossians 3.12. You had remove and throw off the old based on Hebrews 12. And then uh, we have been bought with a price out of 1 Corinthians 6. Um, without kind of digging into each one, I'd love to just kind of open it up. What is, was there any of those three that maybe kind of stand out to y'all? Anything you'd like to kind of add? Or what are some ways that just even just practically we can kind of uh, get ready? I hope we all get dressed in some way, shape, or form every single day with <laughs> some sort of clothing. <laughs> even working from home. <laughs> yeah, even when you're working from home, that's right. And so I think it is very delivered in that Colossians passage that um, Paul uses the, the verbiage, clothe yourselves uh, with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So he's saying, put these on as important parts of, of, of who you are. And, and I can tell you personally, um, yeah, this, this week I was so convicted when I read that. I don't do that every morning. I, I definitely don't look at those, but what those characterize is, hey, put on Jesus. Be Jesus today, not yeah. be the savior, but be like him, emulate him, follow his ways and um, be full of those things so that other people can look to you and say, oh man, <laughs> He's really walking the walk. Not only that, but he's blessing me because of his compassion or, or because of his gentleness or her patience and uh, humility. And so that one really stuck out to me. I think maybe out of all, um, that's just personally I'm speaking, that's the one that, that, that spoke to me the most. Yeah, I was even having a conversation with a student last week who's, who's kind of starting that process of turning themselves outward and saying like, how do I reach the lost around me? How do I, how do, how am I a light to the community that I've been placed in? I think that the key is, is really truly what you're talking about. When you, when we are people who, who put on those things, there is actually a marked difference mm -hmm in those people. We can all think back to the people in our life that we've looked at. And it's like, there is absolutely no doubt that they're a believer. And there's something different about yeah. them. We talk about that in our like Christianese all the time that somebody will recognize that there's something different about you mm -hmm. if you do these things. But truly, if, if we are people, the people of God who do these things, that is a reality. Yeah. That is a well and true like reality in our lives. And that puts us in the position then to share the goodness that we have received. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Jose, something yesterday you said, um, just about all three of these, is that it sets us up for the day no matter what is ahead. And I think that was just a truth that I really needed to hear and be reminded of because as a yeah. planner, it's like I wake up and I'm immediately thinking like, okay, what does the day have in store? How do I need to adjust accordingly? Like all that kind of stuff. But these are three truths and, and just fundamental ways of getting ready regardless of what God has in store for me that day. And so I thought that was just a really good point to be reminded of. The third point is get out. And you talk about that. No one left church when I said <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. For you talked about, that's kind of the whole message tying up about how you said that God has more for you in 2020. The kind of two points you kind of shared was uh, not only sharing your story, but also walking with confidence. So I want to kind of pick up first with the sharing your story. Um, Jose, you kind of shared just a lot about not only is that just sharing what God's doing in our life, but even just kind of what he has done just over our past and and the opportunity it has to bring hope to people. So what what kind of does that look like for someone who maybe just has never shared their story before or, you know, they're not a pastor, they may not have, you know, all the right words to say, or they may not have a really compelling story in their mind. So what, what kind of yeah. some ways that they can kind of share their story? I would, you know, I, I think about these 
exiles again Isaiah's prophesying but but when they actually were in exile would you know thinking about being in a place that is not your home very uncomfortable um, maybe feeling very isolated mm-hmm. and then you hear this good news starting in in, mm-hmm. in 52 7 how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news the good news of peace and salvation the news that God of Israel reigns. So they hear the news and then they get out. They, they actually leave this place of captivity and, and they, they go, you know, I love how Isaiah 52 says, um, carry home the sacred objects of the Lord. So mm-hmm. basically take the things of God that, are, that were in captivity, take those with you back, back home. And, and those are, those are kind of like a, a testimony. And you now have a story. It may not be like the best story that you've ever heard in terms of transformation and, and the miraculous of someone going through, you know, incredible depths and in, in, in the darkness and coming to the light. But the bottom line is that our story is our story and someone needs to hear our story. And so what was, what did it feel like when you were isolated from God? And, and, and then when, you know, what was the process like when you heard the news? And then how does your life look different now because of that? So um, when we ask ourselves those, those three questions, what was my life like before, you know, I heard, embraced the, the good news? And then how did that good news come to me? So when was that moment that we, you know, woke up and, and realized, wow, this is the truth, not only of my life, but this is our creator speaking to his creation saying, hey, this is who I am. And then how's, how's your life um, different now? And so I think that's, that's, a good, that's a good way to start. Yeah, I think that um, there's always this temptation if we don't get to the point of talking about how God has changed us, that it becomes a, a story about self-glorification. Yeah, totally. And it's in that, that it is important that we talk about our own brokenness. And I think that when we have truly understood the love of God and we've truly felt the grace that, that we have, that we receive, it's easy for us to talk about our faults without glorifying the life that we lived before mm-hmm. Christ. Because in that, we're no longer focusing on our faults. We're no longer focusing on our old life, but we've turned to walk in newness mm-hmm. of life as Romans says. And in that, all we can do, all we can, we can't help but to talk about how God has changed us yeah. in that. And then it becomes our story. I think the great danger is if our story becomes about us and not about God. And yeah. so that third piece is really the most important is how has God changed me? How mm-hmm. has God redeemed me? How has God healed me and reconciled me to him as a result of his work in Jesus. Yeah, that kind of ties into the next question. Uh, the next point here, talking about walking with confidence. Uh, I'd love to kind of ask a question related to that in the sense that how what would you say to someone who's just not really feeling confident? They just don't like, as far as we, you know, uh, Jose mentioned as far as Deuteronomy 31.8, just talking about knowing that God paves the way, but but there's there's doubt sometimes. There's times where it's like, I, I just don't know if God's really gonna come through. What are some ways that y'all have maybe kind of just in your own lives and just even in the lives of others, just seen God kind of work through kind of this, the confidence piece here. Yeah, that's really, that's really tough because 
when we know the word and when we've lived life and experienced great ups and, and maybe some some hard things, but we find ourselves in a in a really tough spot and, and we know right the right thing to say, and yet we still feel the same. It's really tough. And and I think I think I'd say we need to we need to rest in that hard place and and know that man, God is in it with us, but that may not make everything better right away. And all I know is that we have been called to do this life with one another. And we are called to rejoice with those who rejoice, but we're also called to mourn with someone who mourn, with those who mourns. And, and my hope is that if that's you, that you have somebody that can mourn mm-hmm. beside you and can really feel um, these things with you and, and walk the long road um, with you. Always pointing to hope. Always, always. We can't apologize for the gospel. We can't put it aside and say, well, not now. No, it's always true. And that's why we operate in faith. But it also takes time sometimes to really walk walk through difficult seasons. So the exile is a very, very difficult. It's the most, one of the most difficult seasons that the Israelites, if not the most difficult season that they experience. And so I think this, this has a lot to teach us. So I'd say um, whether it's someone in your community group or um, a trusted friend that loves the Lord, call them and say, hey, I just need somebody to walk this through with. Yeah, I think that those desert seasons, those seasons of excellence, those seasons where you're not feeling God, you don't feel like you're hearing from God or that um, he's just absent or silent. Mm -hmm. Those oftentimes, the encouragement is that those often become the stories where the Lord is the most present in our life. And that's really hard to believe in the moment. That's really hard to trust in, in the moment because you can't see it. You can't see it. And so I think that what you were saying, Jose, about community is really the key piece. I think that the enemy wants nothing more than to isolate Mm -hmm. us because in our isolation, it is very easy for us to not trust in the promises of God's word Mm -hmm. because we've been given God's word, which, which tells the story of the faithfulness of God, which like if we lean on that, if we fall back on that, then there's life and there's hope, exactly what you're, what you're talking about. But mm-hmm. sometimes we don't, in our own suffering, in our own doubt, we really struggle to point ourselves to that. And so it helps to have a third party, someone outside who can kind of hit us up the side of the head with it and just say, hey, listen, like turn back to who God says he is. Like he is, tr- he is faithful in his character. Look at the the entire narrative of the Bible and we see the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness in every desert season. And so I think that that is like truly the key and someone to speak, continually speak our identity in Christ back Mm -hmm. to us. We need to be reminded. Yeah, there's this idea of, or at least for me, I won't project this upon anybody else. Like when I am in those seasons where where I am struggling or doubting or feeling threatened by things outside, I lose sense of my identity. I lose whose I am in this. And so I it requires someone who can not only speak the the hope of of Christ into that, but also someone to remind me of my sonship 
in, in Christ mm-hmm. and that we have been adopted into the family of God and that God is for us in those, in those seasons. That's it. It's really good. That's all really, really good. I'd love to kind of close, um, just kind of going back to the the opening point, just about God's not done with us yet in, in 2020. Yeah. And uh, I know God doesn't work on a calendar year, but I just love that rallying cry that got me pumped up just about seeing ways in which he's working in my life and not to kind of coast through, but to kind of go full uh, full gas on the pedal. But finish strong, unlike unlike the turkey trout, you didn't finish okay. strong and that's that's why I beat you. Okay, well, serious question, <laughs> close us off is what about people that, and it's kind of similar to the last question, but what about people that, whether it's in December of 2020 or whether it will be in a few months from now, are just kind of feeling tired and yeah. just kind of like, you know, I, I I know that it's best for me to get up, get ready and, and get out, but I'm, I've had a rough year or I've had a, I'm, I'm just in that, uh, maybe not questioning kind of the confidence in who God is, but I'm just kind of just wiped out. So what would y'all say, or maybe in the, in the, in the seasons or times in y'all's life that you've kind of just felt uh, just kind of exhausted? What are ways in which we can kind of stay strong and, uh, and just stay uh, living for Christ and being open to seeing how God's working in our lives? Yeah, uh, Paul was serious about disciplines and um, I just looked it up. It's First Timothy, as you were asking the question, First Timothy 4, 7, 8. He says, rather train yourself for godliness for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So when we train ourselves um, in godly ways uh, with these spiritual disciplines of turning to God and what we're doing is we're really preparing for the hard, uh, hard times. Yes, it's great. In every day, big time. But but when when it when it gets hard, that's when we really need to rely on our training. It's the same thing with any athlete. If they're trained well, when mm-hmm. you know uh, obstacles come in in on race day, then you fall back on your training. You fall back on on what you've been doing day after day, and that helps you get through. So I really would encourage these um, disciplines. And and you know we we talked about Project Twenty Twenty yesterday also, and so we have that to look forward to page where all of us can post about what God's teaching us and we can look at that. We can be encouraged, maybe even challenged by some of these things. And and we can sharpen one another. We can build each other up as we glorify God with what he's done in our lives. But I don't want to, um, I want to go back to what we said before, because I think, I think you hit on something. And and I think I love how we're, 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 we're getting to this JD, what you were saying, like the word of God is so good. And um, we just are not called to live this life alone. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. man, community groups is tried, proven. Um, 10, 10 recommend. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you're not already connected to a community group, check out the website. Uh, we have some online, we have in-person groups. And, and so, so get plugged in. JD, I know you got some good stuff to say. Yeah, I, as you were asking that question, Taylor, I was just looking at verse 12. Um, And it says, for you shall not go out in haste. You shall not go out in flight for the Lord will go before you and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. I think that we, when we think about walking in this life, as we think about going forth, um, we're not running away and we're not fleeing. 2020 isn't something to run from or to flee from. Although it may just want, 
make you want to go hide in your closet and pretend it doesn't exist. It's not something to run from or to flee from because God tells us that we're not going to go out in haste. We're not going out in flight. But rather, when we look at the whole of this Isaiah 52 passage, this is a, a verse 12 is really a procession under the protection of God as king, mm-hmm. that God goes before us and that God is also our rear guard. And so in this, when we, when we, I think that's the project 2020 is perfect because in it, we recognize the presence of God mm-hmm. instead of fleeing from it or running from it or just kind of being oblivious and looking forward to like when life gets better or it goes back to normal, we say, no, God is present here, mm-hmm. that God goes before us, but God was also present yep. behind us. Yep. And so we don't have to live life afraid of the present moment or overwhelmed by the present moment, but we trust in the goodness of God that he is here. And so I think your peace on community is really it mm-hmm. because so often we we lose sight of that in the moment. And we need, I have to feel like I just repeat myself all the time. We need somebody to speak that into us, mm-hmm. to help us recognize the presence of God or really point us back to it when we feel the temptation to man, family is hard, Mm -hmm. family is hard, or work is really hard, or I can't see what God is doing through my kids, or I can't, people around me are getting sick and I feel myself paralyzed by fear about the world around me or the things of that nature. We need to recognize that God is present in it, that he's going before us and that he also is behind us, protecting us. That's really, really good stuff. Jose, I'd love to give you the final word as we close out and continue in the next few weeks. We're not done yet with the Peace in Exile series. We're not done yet. Keep it up. We're here for you. I think um, finishing with that last verse, JD, was excellent. And um, let's go, Cypress Creek Church. Let's finish 2020 strong. All right. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.